a Podcast One production. I've never really thought of myself as like a businesswoman or an entrepreneur or anything like that because I can tell you I am so bad at spelling. I'm terrible at emails. So understanding that and if you do have a great idea, you know, then stick to that and then make sure you've got a great team behind you. And as I said, like I have many ideas all the time they're always coming at me but it's whether the timing is right i've kind of sat on this for about 14 years so um it's about timing as well hey welcome to the lady brains podcast we're your hosts caitlin judd and anna mckenzie co-founders of lady brains a digital and irl club for female founders and founders to be we're chasing down the most successful female entrepreneurs from around the globe not only to hear their life story, but to extract their knowledge and world-class insights. If you're curious and ambitious, then Lady Brain, you are in the right place. Get ready for some hard-hitting truths, a dose of inspo, and learnings you can apply right away. Strap in. We're chatting to Lindy Rama Ellis. She is the co-founder of Milk & Co, a beauty brand that she established in 2008 with her then-husband, Aussie Olympic gold medalist, Michael Klim. Now she's on to an entirely new venture, Fig Femme. It's an intimate wellness brand with a focus on starting a conversation around topics that are traditionally taboo. She's creating products to help women look after their most intimate body parts, an idea that she has been forming since giving birth to her first child. Lindy chatted with us from Bali about the deeper purpose behind Fig Femme, as well as the challenges and criticism she's faced launching a somewhat controversial brand into a conservative Australian market. We look forward to seeing what the future looks like for this business, but we started it back at the beginning when Lindy set up her first wellness brand, Milk & Co. So before we dive into Fig, we'd love to hear a little bit more about your backstory leading up to right now. So can you take us back to Milk & Co? You know, you have started a beauty brand before. We would love to hear all about that. Goodness me, that's taking me back a long old time. Mm -hmm. I think that's about, Michael and I started Milk & Co probably about 15 years ago. Um, And it was kind of an interesting time because, you know, he was still swimming, I think, at the time, and I was a model. So his swimming career was kind of wrapping up and there wasn't a lot of kind of options. I think he was, you know, going to be, you know, a sports presenter or something like that. Mm. And we're like, no, we can do more. Like there has to be something else out there. And he always knew that milk... Um, backwards was clean or clean backwards is milk. Mm. So, which I always thought lent itself to a great skincare brand. Um, and Michael at the time, or still is, is obsessed with skincare. And I mean, he's got a lot of skin, like on his head. <laughs> <laughs> all over. <laughs> all over. So he was obsessed with it. Um, and also men's, the men's category wasn't huge. Like there were only a few men's products out at the time. So mm. we were kind of, going into something kind of new for for skincare as well. Um, So it was quite interesting because obviously, you know, ex-athlete, ex-model, neither of us had gone to university. I'm not business-minded at all and we're kind of the blind leading the blind in some ways. (laughs) Um, But we, you know, we we did it all ourselves. We were, you know, we funded it ourselves. We went to the manufacturers. We did absolutely everything ourselves and got it off the ground, which was incredible. Huge, so many mistakes along the way. Um, But I always think it's great to do those mistakes earlier on in a business as a, you know, infancy rather than bigger, you know, bigger mistakes later on where it's more costly. Mm. Um, So, yeah, so then, and then I had uh, Stella, our firstborn. Um, That was 14 years ago now. 
and I couldn't find a baby product to use on her that was organic. Um, I grew up in Tasmania, so I was used to these organic products and there was a manufacturer down there who I'd known um, and so I approached them about making an organic skincare for, for children. And then that's when Milk Baby happened. And that was probably our best uh, thing we could have done was branch into that category as well because that was kind of the same as men's, that people weren't really prepared or ready well, I think they were ready for it, but it just wasn't available for an organic skincare for children. And so what were some of those really early mistakes mm-hmm. that you made? Oh, God. <laughs> so so to us straight. Yeah. <laughs> On one hand, maybe. <laughs> I mean, firstly, like the fact that it was just Michael and myself. Um, we didn't have job descriptions mapped out. We... We were doing everything. Mm. Um, we didn't have, you know, the you know the definitive roles of you know who's doing what. Um, husband and wife team is probably sometimes not the best <laughs> combination. Um, and then also, I think legally, like to set a business up the correct way. Yeah. You know, we we didn't pay ourselves a wage for about five years, which is standard for a startup. Um, but just you know, money coming into our personal accounts, then we were just taking that and then putting it into the. It's just it was all messy, like really, really mm. messy from the mm. get go. So things like that um, were our biggest mistakes. Um, and then you know, obviously things like packaging, we weren't experienced in that kind of area. A lot of it was trial and error. I mean, I remember us buying, I think, thousands of these particular pumps and we got them from France or whatever. And by the time they came to us, none of them worked. And so we had to recall Mm -hmm. everything. So these are huge, costly kind of mistakes to make. Um, You know, we should have really tried the pumps out first, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so there's some of the... That's exactly right. So there's some (laughs) of the mistakes that we made. So you obviously did a few things right because the business grew and you landed distribution deals with Mm -hmm. Sephora, as an example. Talk us through that process. Like, how did that come about? So I think for us, it was more, uh, you know, going to, to trade fairs. So going to a Cosmoprof in Hong Kong, yeah, um, yeah. that was a, a deal breaker for us. We were very not prepared. Like we were literally <laughs> filling bottles of milk baby in our hotel rooms in vats of like, we had them shipped over from Tasmania and filling them up in our rooms. I mean, it looked like we we're making bombs if the cleaner had come in, <laughs> like cleaning our room, but it smelled nice because it was all eucalyptus and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're doing all of this and, and we'd never been to a trade fair before, which I don't know if you've ever seen one, but they really need to make a movie about those things. I don't know if you've seen Best in Show about the dog, like the dog walking. They need to do one on trade shows because it's kind of hilarious. Um, In what way? Like, have you been to Cosmoprof? I know, which is weird because I've worked my whole career in beauty, but I've never been. I've been to the one in Vegas and it's insane. It's insane. It's and then, you know everyone's like happy happy fair day and you know like oh everyone gosh. gets yeah. to know each other. By yeah. the end of it, people next to you on the stores, you're having you know, glasses of champagne and getting to know each other. But on the first day, everyone's looking at you as in massive competition, eyeing you yeah. up and down. Like yeah. it's quite traumatizing. And as our first trade fair in in, Cos- in Hong Kong was Cosmoprof, and we were like, oh my god, what have we done? 
But that is where we um, had the contacts with Lane Crawford and Sephora and the, and the likes. So that was a huge game changer for us and, and probably the best thing we could have done. Oh, God, <laughs> it's bringing back memories of uh, yeah, running between hotels and collecting goodie bags. Oh, and, oh, and all so, your lanyards. Yeah. You have to have your lanyards yeah, to little show lanyards. Them. Yeah, 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 crazy. <laughs> so what areas of the business were you responsible for in those early days? Well, we kind of did everything together. Um, mm. I am, I'm putting my hand up and saying this, I am not business minded. Like I really struggle with anything to do with business. I have mm. great ideas and I'm creative. So eventually when we, um, you know, we got private equity on board and we sort of cut, you know, divided all the jobs up and I was then, you know, the creative director, which suited me fine because I, mm. I'm terrible at everything else really. So, <laughs> so that was my, so everything was my vision, um, the branding, um, you know, everything to do with the you know, creative side of it. I mean, you've got to know your strengths and your weaknesses, don't you? Yeah, well, this is yeah it, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And I've always been a big believer in that. And, you know, I always put my hand up and say, you know what, I don't know. I have no idea what I'm doing here. And, um, and then that's when you can get people in that can do the job that you can't do. Yeah, and that's the thing. You can't be good at everything. You can't, you can't have all no. the skills. And why no. would you want to do everything? You know, you've got no. to bring people on board that complement your strengths or... You know, that's right. Yeah, fill your gaps. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> no. you mentioned you mentioned that it was that you know there are challenges that come with starting a business with your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us? You know, how was that? And what's the business look like now? What's your involvement? So I have no involvement now. Um, we ended up selling to a Chinese company. Um, Michael still works within that company. I'm not quite sure on what capacity. Um, so it's still he still works in the office mm. there um, in Sydney. Um, but yeah, so, but working with your, you know, your your husband, (laughs) it was great at times, but then obviously, you know, you're going to butt heads from time to time. And, um, we've both had quite strong personalities. So we'll find ourselves a lot of heated discussions. Okay. Most of the time actually. Um, but then it was, as I said before, and when we got the private equity on board and it really changed the whole structure of our company, which we really needed to happen. That's when things, you know, we didn't even have to have much kind of contact take time so we could still be husband and wife mm. at home and then come to work and we would have a different office and and all of that so we didn't really see each other too much at work which is good yeah yeah yeah. it's interesting I mean Caitlin and I have been best friends for years we live together right. and we're building a business together and so. we're basically married so we can understand the same challenges it's yeah, a yeah. lot it can be a it's lot, a lot. And it's kind and of- it is a lot <laughs> But then it's, you, you kind of look like you've got, you sort of, you know, as you said before, the strengths and weaknesses, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, what each of you can contribute. So that's important. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So that experience must have set you up pretty well to take on this next venture. Mm. So uh, I'm curious, like, what were some of the... Um, well, first, let's talk about this new venture. So can you tell us a little bit? <laughs> yeah. tell, tell us a little bit. In your own words. Yeah. In your own words. Okay. Tell us about Fig. Um, tell us. What is it? Tell okay. So I have launched a new product called Fig Femme, which is like an intimate wellness brand for females, for women. And really, it's just about wanting to empower women. And for such a long time, I've kind of not really understood why there are not a lot of products for this part of your, you know, for your body. Um, it's kind of shocked me. I'm like, why? Like, it's just exactly the same part as any other part of your body. So why isn't, why isn't there the choice that women can have to, to take care of that part? So 
I have developed fig femmes, a little bit scary, I have to say, um, but I'm really excited about it. So you're launching the brand with one product to start off with, which is mm. a vulva sheet mask. It is, indeed. So <laughs> can you tell us about how the idea for this product came about? Because, you know, many of the great products and brands that exist are born out of the founder's own personal need or problem or experience. Mm. Yeah. So tell us, how did the idea for this come about? Okay, so this might be a bit shocking because you don't, I don't think neither of you have children. <laughs> so, no, no, we don't. No, we, yeah, we did say so, that earlier on. We're like, oh, we, we don't have kids. But maybe we don't experience some of the problems no, that, you know, you the consumer. Don't. I mean, you still, yeah, fig fam is for everybody, whether you've had children sure. or not. But the reason sure. I first developed it was because I had my firstborn Stella 14 years ago mm-hmm. and I was shocked like I was not prepared my body wasn't prepared I mentally wasn't prepared nobody mm-hmm. prepared me about what was going to happen down there and you know I was kind of your body no longer belongs to you in that moment and then Afterwards, you're very sore and swollen, and um, this is going to be shocking for you, but the nurses came and gave me a condom full of water to put in my underpants to help with the swelling. And I'm like, oh, my God, what? Is this like a joke? Like, already I feel foul. Like, I've just been through all this labour, I'm in pain, and now I've got to walk around with this filled condom thing. Like, it's just weird. So it was that moment I was thinking to myself, there needs to be something that women can have that, you know, you can put on. It helps with the swelling that comes in beautiful packaging that makes you feel a little bit sort of like luxurious in that moment, not like a weirdo walking around with a condom in your undies. So that was the first moment. Um, Obviously, that was 14 years ago, so I've been marinating on that idea for a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it's probably the conversations I've had with women, you know, around the dinner table, my best friends, um, you know, my girls. I've got three girls and... The conversations are like, you know, there's a, a lot of women don't know the difference between a vulva and a vagina. Um, mm. They don't know what's the, you know, if there's any abnormalities there. Some women are totally too shy to talk about that area mm. of their body. And it's kind of like, why? Like, we've all got one. Like, it's kind of, I don't mm. understand what the taboo topic is. And I think having children kind of opens you up a little bit more to wanting to talk about these topics because, honestly, before I had kids, I never really probably would. But then it's interesting that my daughter, Stella, who, she goes to the green school here in Bali, which is kind of a hippie school, mm. but they're very open and everything's about, you know, free bleeding and menstrual cups and it's, you know, they've mm. got a, a vagina day and so they're becoming more and more aware. <laughs> I know, full vagina what day. What happens on vagina day? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's called free day and they have, yeah. there's a violence against women, but then they have these vagina monologues and all this, this stuff. Oh, it's wow. interesting because she asked my, um, my husband, her stepfather, to come and watch the vagina monologues and he had no idea what was going on the poor oh my thing. God. <laughs> but that's how open these kids are becoming, which I think is yeah. fantastic. And that yeah. I want all women to feel, you know, this comfortable talking about it and I want to sort of not make it so taboo anymore. So I thought Fig Femme would be the perfect, um, the perfect product for that. It's great when a product, um, you know, is more than just the product, right? It's the brand and you are opening up a conversation That's right. around female health and hygiene mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and removing that taboo because you're right, in some Western countries, we don't tend to speak oh, about these things. That's right, um, yeah. Which is surprising, mm. uh, you it, know, given yeah, how far it, we've evolved in other exactly. areas. Exactly. Yeah. I do find it really surprising. And also, I mean, Europe, like, we you know, 
being in Europe, you know, with some friends who are like Italian or French and mm. they will go to the pharmacy and come back with like a, some kind of femme wash or whatever. And that's just normal for them. And, mm. and it's like, but then Australia is a little bit, no, they're mm. kind of a bit, no, we don't want that. That, cause it's a bit too weird for us. It's going to mess up with my pH levels or mm. it's going to, we've always said not to touch that area or, or things like that. So it's kind of surprising um, for me, but that's why I think it's such a good product to get this conversation happening and um, to talk about it more. Yeah. Well, yeah, I want to touch on that. I want to touch mm. on the pH and the changes and what doctors mm. say is like, don't add products. Mm-hmm. Has, has your product been scientifically tested? And what are the benefits of it? So we have got, um, you know, obviously the manufacturer yeah. has a lot of testing and we've got pharmacists there. So they've all certified it to say it's perfectly fine. And we have to remember too, that this is for your vulva. This is for on the mm. outside. So this is not going inside you. So mm. obviously your, vul- your vulva pH is different to your vagina pH levels, um, which we have matched the product to. So it's not going to mess around that area at all. Um, and it's kind of, I always liken it to, for example, you know, you wash your face, but you don't eat the soap or you brush your teeth, but mm, you don't yes. eat the toothpaste. Mm, so it's yep. not, and a lot of women are like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. You can't have this and da, 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 da. But then also it's like, it's not going inside you. It's the skin mm. there. It's just mm. skin, you know, and it's kind of, you know, you wax, you can laser, you get prone to ingrowns, um, dryness, all of that sort of thing. So that's this initial mask is to help with ingrown hairs and the dryness that you can get through waxing. You mentioned before, you mentioned before something interesting saying mm. that um, women in Europe, you know, they go to the pharmacy and they buy, mm. you know, feminine hygiene product, like mm. wash and that kind of stuff. And it's something yeah. that isn't really done in Australia and it's funny because we were talking about this before the interview we were talking about the fact that there are you know these like pharmacy products Mm. which are a bit you know, mm, clinical, daddy. medical. And no one really yeah. knows what they do. No, no, no one really knows what they do. It's like maybe there's one that I remember, but yeah. there's no brand that has really kind of stepped in and owned this category in a way yeah. and approached it in a way that you are, which is around mm. skincare and yeah. beauty and, mm. and the message around empowerment. So yes. um, is that the gap that you saw? Is that yeah, is definitely. that what kind of drove you to do this? I Definitely that gap. I mean, I've been, like, you know, all of my girlfriend's house, I'm not going to name names because that would be embarrassing <laughs> for them, but I would go, you know, for a dinner party and I'll, you know, go to the bathroom, look for a Panadol, and I'll always see some kind of one of those pharmaceutical femme care in, yeah, but yeah. it's yeah, tucked, yeah, yeah. it's hidden right at the back of the cupboard, like so embarrassed to be out or to say that that's what I'm using. And it's like, I don't want women to feel like that. I don't want, if you've mm. had to use that product for whatever reason or because just because you want to, that shouldn't be embarrassing. So by having a product like Feed Femme where it's beautifully packaged, it's, you know, the, the, the message around it's really beautiful about empowering women to take control of this part of their body, I think that's really important to change that kind of mindset. Mm. I think last year it was uh, Vogue that called out V-Care. Yeah to be one of the fastest growing categories. They called it as being, you know, the it category in beauty, the growth of V-care, which um, is really interesting. It is, yeah. Yeah. And I guess you're tapping into that trend with this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'd like to think it's not a trend. I'd like to think of it as sticking around for a long time. And I want women Mm. to to have this as an everyday part of their rituals, just as washing your face or cleaning, you know, cleaning your teeth, whatever it is. Um, And... I guess the time is now, like, you know, there's a lot of um, women empowerment, spirituality, sexuality, all of that kind of movement that's happening, which I think Mm. is fantastic. Um, I think the time is now 
that women want to have these choices. And I 100% agree, this is not for everyone and that's yeah, fine. Yeah. I mean, you can't make a product for everyone. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, sure. So, you know, you can, but I, I think you should be able to have the choice. And yeah. if you choose to have a product like this, then it should be readily available to you. Yeah. you about the whole process of kind of developing your brand, the story, Mm. your messaging, your purpose, your vision, because it feels like that's so crystal clear for you. And I think it's one thing that, you know, it's so important to create, to creating a brand, right? Getting the narrative right, crafting the message, Mm -hmm. being really clear in the way that you communicate that. Mm. How did that process evolve for you? Was that something that took a long time? No. See, this is the thing. Interesting. I can remember with Milk & Co, we would have brand strategy meetings. We'd have people come in, pay them thousands of dollars, have the big whiteboard out doing all of this sort of stuff. And it was like really hard work trying to get that brand, you know, image right there and you know what to do. But Fig Femme, it's so easy because it's it's what I truly believe in. You know, it's something that I live and breathe every day. Like I've been working on this for two years now and it's not contrived. It's actually what I believe in and what I think, you know, women would want to have in their, in their bathroom cabinets. So um, it wasn't difficult at all. And I really want, you know, to have that conversation and to have, you know, like we are having now about this, you know, women empowerment and, and really taking care of that part of your body and to try and get rid of some of the shame that I think some women might feel. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any nerves for you going out with this kind of message? Because it's bloody yes. really controversial. I mean, it's controversial. Yes, way, there right? is. Like, honestly, I knew um, initially that it's not for everyone. And yeah. obviously the old, you know, the pH level thing and people saying, you shouldn't wash your vagina, yeah. da, 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 da. Oh, yeah, obviously, and I knew that that would happen. Um, quite nervous about it, and I'm not very good at confrontation <laughs> or fighting. <laughs> well, so you probably started like, the wrong no, business. No, yeah. I know. <laughs> and I didn't think, you know, I didn't realise I would upset um, so many people. Um, but I feel like it's kind of good. I think it's put my, I've put myself in a position where I needed to be because I have upset some people. I mean, I don't know if you've read on like Instagram and things like that. But I think that comes from fear and I want to know more why I've upset them and I think it's important for me to know. So I'm really trying to do my research and find out what it is that or why people feel so strongly about that particular area. I mean, goodness, like I'm not into car magazines, so I don't buy car magazines. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So if you're not into Fig Femme or that, you know, just don't buy it. But then some women feel so strongly about it and um, have such a, yeah, like a... I don't know. A reaction. A reaction. And I, and I think it's more fear-driven than anything else. Mm. Um, so I really want to, I don't want to be naive in that area and, and, and just, you know, mouth off, whatever. So I really want to educate yeah. myself into yeah. why that's happening. But then this is, this is it. This is why we're having this conversation. This is what I wanted to do. So, um, yeah. What what has been some of that? Yeah, I mean, I can imagine. What has been some of the feedback that you've received? Oh, my God. Amazing. Like, just everyone, not everyone, most people are like, this Mm. is brilliant. This is why, Mm. why has it taken this long? Like, Mm. we don't understand. Um, You know, I had somebody text uh, on DM us yesterday saying, I'm having a, a lunch for all my girlfriends, you know, 50 of us I'm having a fig femme on each of the you know the place settings you know it's bringing women together you know and I think that that's what it I wanted 
So yeah. there are lots of, you know, whether you've had, you know, some kind of surgery down there and you're not really feeling like you're in your body anymore and you, and you want to get in touch with that part of your body. And, and that's, it's about you. It's about looking mm-hmm. after you. It's not like putting makeup on where it is kind of for you, but it's also kind of for someone else. Um, mm. This is your area. Like not very many people are going to see it. So it's something for you to get in touch with um, and to really nurture. I love that visual of I can just see 50 women around the table with these <laughs> yes. masks on their plate and they're probably looking what, at it going like, what is this? Trying to put it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, hang on, this is an odd shape. What's going on here? But I love that because I can just imagine that that would spark a conversation with these women. And so, you know, I'm curious, like, what is your plan to kind of build a community around this message and this brand? Because there's such an opportunity to do that. That's right. So, I mean, obviously this is all these sort of conversations that we're having. And I think through my website, I'd really like to build a community, like an interactive kind of community on there as well. Somehow, I don't quite know what that's going to look like just yet. But this is exactly what I wanted. I want women to sit around and chat about this. You know, I want them to feel empowered to be able to talk openly about this part of their body. It just should not be taboo. And I totally understand that some women are a bit like squirmish. Oh, my God, I can't. It's too embarrassing. And that's fine. But potentially, if you hear it more and more and more, then it's not going to be as embarrassing. You know, we've all got one. Mm, It's kind of like, (laughs) yeah. So I've got two questions. Can you just clarify, when do we use this product? Like, I, I want to talk about how we're gonna, going to find this customer that's going to use your product. But firstly, who is the customer and when should we be using this product? So this, the customer I would like to think is any woman that really wants to nurture that part of their body. Um, this, you know, I originally thought this could be like, you know, an after waxing situation or um, a getting ready for a date situation or coming back home from a date. It's really about <laughs> you time. It's about wanting to connect with yourself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, this particular product is for everybody. And then and women I've got post-birth as post-birth. well. Post-birth. So I post-birth and then I have a product later on. I'll bring out a product for post-birth. So that face, oh, face mask, right. that sheet mask you can put in the freezer and then that helps with the swelling mm. and, and all of that. So there are no chemicals or anything in there. And we've also have to remember that this isn't scented. So it's not about taking the smell away. It's not about disguising any smells. I mean, we also have our own particular mm. scent, you know, that we all have. So it's not about hiding any of that. So Fig Femme is actually fragrance free. Um, it's not about putting perfume down there and pretending mm. it's, you know, that's not happening. <laughs> so I'm curious, cause I think, you know, it's interesting. I, I think about the customers that buy like the pharmacy mm. Femme care products. Mm-hmm. You're actually probably not going after that customer. You're probably going after a different customer, the shops, you know, mm. skincare and beauty brand and likes to invest mm-hmm. in self-care yeah. in that way. Mm. How are you planning on reaching those customers? Like how are you planning mm. on capturing that, that segment that traditionally probably hasn't, you know, I mean, it's quite a new segment, right? It is yeah. a new segment. Yeah. And this is <laughs> yeah. the thing. I'm, I'm just, this is what, you know, it's, it's quite challenging, obviously. And, you mm. know, I'm talking to a few different, um, you know, um, somebody that I'm hoping to be stopped in. Um, I haven't signed any contracts yet, but this is a conversation. It's like, well, so do we stock you in, do we put you in the femme, like in, you know, the pads and tampons section or do we put you yeah. in the face mask section? Like where... Right. And this is the thing. I, I mean, you can. I can be. In, I could be in the the hair section even. So I think. Um, I think just through 
you know, PR and the conversation and getting the product out there, I think women will want to try it and want to be a part of this. And I, I really hope that it will just be, become part of their everyday routine. Mm. Is education going to form part mm. of your comm strategy? Because I feel like there will be there will yeah. need to be a big education Definitely. piece around this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I was saying before about, you know, talking to women at the dinner table and they're like, oh, you know, what's, you know, vagina, vulva, like getting that confused. I mean, can you imagine if we got a men's genitalia confused? Yes. (laughs) Called us the the scrotum and the penis confused. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Yeah. (laughs) So. (laughs) Such great words. Exactly. Such great words. So that's why, you know, these conversations need to happen to, and, and honestly, I didn't know the difference between the vulva and the vagina until I had kids either. You just don't. Yeah. And this is something, you know, I, I mentioned before about my eldest going to this hippie, hippie school. It is interesting that they've really taken this on, like this kind of area, and they're very mm. open about it. And I love that. I love that she can openly talk about, you know, periods and or vaginas. And oh, I just think it's fantastic that there's no shame in it at all. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously it probably goes per, like Frankie, my the middle child, she might be a little bit more shy just because that's her, her personality. But I think it's really nice that, you know, these younger generations, it's becoming less of a taboo topic. Yeah. Can you um, run us through the differences that you believe your brand stands aside from like an Ansel or, a, you know, one of those mm. big pharmaceutical brands mm. that have tried... Mm to insert themselves with these products? Yeah, so I actually was thinking about this the other day and a lot of those products, even like condoms, for example, and um, lube, even the branding and the messaging, it's mm-hmm. more aimed towards men. Ma- which, masculine, which, yeah. Masculine. I find that very mm. bizarre. So I think by having Fig Femme is so beautifully done and so, you know, kind of looking quite high-end, but it's not really high-end, yeah. Just that people are not ashamed to have it in their handbag to be to seen with it. But if you put a one of those lube things with all the bright purples and blues and stuff, like it's just not women. Women don't want mm. that. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Mm. Do you imagine that you would get into those types of products down the track? No, I mean, you I, could expand I to could so ex- many I different. Could, I definitely products. could expand. I, absolutely. I mean, the list goes on. And I was talking to my mum the other day as well, and mm. she's like, "Oh, you must do something for menopausal women." And <laughs> Da, 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 da. So, I mean, it, it, there is so many things out there that we can, but obviously, you know, budget and timing and, yeah. <laughs> um, and things like that all need to be taken into consideration. And also, I don't want to, you know, grow too quickly. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm the expert in all of that area. Mm. I'm just saying at the moment, this is what I wanted. I wanted to have like a wash and a, maybe a spray and I wanted to have the conversation. And so, yeah, slowly down the track, we would like to expand a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. What does the next few years look like for this brand? Like what is your kind of vision for where you want to take it? Goodness. I mean, I would, like I'm not very much of a planner, so I don't really plan or have a vision for things. More of a like scattergun approach going on tomorrow. (laughs) So, but definitely I would like to think that Fig Femme is in most women's bathroom cabinets in their handbag or whatever around the world. And I would like it Mm -hmm. just to be... Uh, an everyday product that, um, you know, just as shampoo is or a face wash Mm. or deodorant is. That would be, that would definitely be, you know, a plus side for me. 
What's been the most surprising thing so far, especially entering a new category, you could say, or, or a category that's quite untapped? What have mm-hmm. you learned? Yeah. Definitely what I was mentioning before about some criticism. And, you know, I definitely knew that that would happen. Um, wasn't quite prepared for the anger that came with it. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, that comes with me needing to educate myself a little bit more and to the background of why these women are feeling the anger um, and the fear. So, yeah. so that was definitely quite surprising. As I said, I'm not mm. great at confrontation. I'm finding that quite <laughs> difficult. I go to bed going, oh, my God, I've really upset someone. What am I going to do? But then if I actually look at the whole, the, you know, 95% of women who have seen this product, they're all for it and they feel like the time is now for it to be released. What does the, um, that kind of backlash, I guess, or like controversial, Mm. you know, all those responses, what toll does that take on you? Because that can be really difficult, I think, for, I mean, for anyone in the public eye, but for anyone who's looking Mm. to start a brand, there has to be an element of putting yourself out there as the Mm. face of it. And, you know, at some point you're going to get criticism. What advice do you have for people that, uh, you know, might be experiencing that right now? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's really, really tough. My advice is never read the comments in any any kind of um, uh, like, you know, publication or Mm. especially a Daily Mail or something like that. Just Mm. don't read the comments in that because they are just so hurtful and so cruel. Um, But then also take criticism Uh, you know, if it's directed to you in an email form and, and, you know, done in a nice way, take that on board and really listen to that person and kind of, it's what I'm trying to do now is understand, like, I want to know why that they're feeling the fear. And I think if I understand more, then it's going to be less um, upsetting to the the both of us, um, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I guess it's adopting that sense of curiosity yeah um yeah yeah, yeah. just being able to figure out yeah that work out who's just trolling and having something to say versus someone that has an informed opinion um and that is is trying to help you yes um and and improve the business so i think there are yeah different categories of feedback and you've got to figure it out which can be hard it is difficult to figure out and you know the first initial um you know reply back you can kind of and then when they reply back to that Mm. one and you can kind of sense where they're at whether it's a troll Mm. or whether it's somebody who actually does have something really important to say which i really need to listen to so Mm. yeah you just got to give everybody the the first initial some time and then sort of decipher whether you know who to kick off and who to really listen to (laughs) has some of that criticism that you've received with this controversial kind of product has some of that criticism informed decisions that you've made or made you change anything about your business or your plans uh not really I haven't um no I mean I ha- we are looking at talking to like a sexologist. Um, we mm, have okay, got, yeah. um, you know, talking to you know, gynecologists and getting mm. actual, you know, doctors' sort of opinions and facts and figures. So we've gone down that, that route. Um, so I think that was really good for us to do so we can learn more. And I think that's what this is about. We're all trying to, you know, help each other out here. And I, I want to know as much as I can. So, yeah. I think yeah. that's a great strategy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Having the experts on board. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have a lot of early stage founders in our community. Um, and I guess, you know, what would you tell them um, about starting up a business? Maybe one in a controversial, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> category. What would you say to them? Uh, what advice would you give? Look, honestly, it's so strange because, you know, even coming on your show, it's like I've never really thought of myself as like a businesswoman or an entrepreneur mm. or anything like that because I can tell you I am 
so bad at spelling. I'm terrible at emails. I can barely write a text message. Like, thank God for emojis, you know? Like, I'm just, I'm really not business-minded, but I had a great idea and I have many great ideas and I'm creative. So understanding that, and if you do have a great idea, you know, then stick to that and then make sure you can get the support um, around you to then develop that idea and to make it, you know, and actually a, a product. Mm. So um, it's just kind of sticking to your guns. And as I said, making sure you've got a great team behind you because there is no way I could do this without having a team because, as I said, I, I I'm not good at those emails and I'm not good at numbers and things like that. So it's, it is good that I do know that I'm creative and I do know that I have a good idea for a brand. Um, yeah. And as I said, like, I have many ideas all the time they're always coming at me but it's whether the timing is right and I think yeah, that feed awesome. fem right now the time is right and as I mm. mentioned before I've kind of sat on this for about 14 years so yeah. um it's about timing as well yeah you just mentioned then your team um mm. so how I mean obviously you were really really clear on your strengths but also clear mm. on what your gaps were mm. how early did you bring someone on board to help you figure out what your pricing was, crunch the numbers, you know, yeah. make sure cool. that it was a viable business mm, model. Yeah. Like how, so, how did you go about doing that? Because that's, one of, the, that's mm. one of the things that people really struggle with, you know, the commercial side. Exactly. I agree. So I'm quite fortunate that I, through Milk & Co, I had some really good contacts. So yeah. some of these people used to work at Milk & Co and a lot of these people are still working, you know, they're just helping me out. Like it's not even, I'm not even paying them because as, you know, I'm a startup, I've got no money. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so they're just helping me out and finding people, you know, I, I even got like a whole finance sort of model done, um, yep. you know, from somebody that came out of university that, that wanted to, to try, you know, to, to do their first sort of model. So that was brilliant. So getting people Amazing. like that involved to, you know, it's helping them and it's also helping me. Um, so, yeah, and also with this particular business, I made sure that, you know, the very little money that I had to start it with, I spent that on the, the, the setup, the business side setup of it. So the legal and the, the accounting side. Because as I said, I'm not familiar, I'm not great at that. And I wanted to make sure that everything was done correctly from the dot go because yep. that is where you can make you know trademarking and things like mm, it's yeah. just mind-blowing how many different things you have to think about like it's so confusing um so to make sure you've got that you know a great lawyer and a great accountant and they really understand your brand and and, and you as a person um, you know, my lawyer just does not make me feel stupid. I can call him all the time and ask him stupid questions and he never makes me feel silly about them, which is fantastic because it can be quite daunting talking to people yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but I think that is really the key for a good startup is to make sure that that area is set up properly from the get-go. It's definitely great, great. advice. Great yeah. advice. Definitely great <laughs> advice for sure. <laughs> We have a couple of final questions for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we always like to give our guests um, the opportunity to shout out to another woman that's helped them on their business building journey because, you know, the whole reason that we exist is to, you know, create a community of like-minded women to help each other and lift each other up. And, mm. like, you just can't bloody do it by yourself. No, it's so freaking hard, right? <laughs> I know, it's so hard. So is there one woman that's helped you on your business building journey or in your life that you want to give a shout out to? No, um, I've got so many. This is a thing. Yeah. So, you know, my mom is, a, she doesn't have her own business, but she's just such a, 
empowered woman like she's just fantastic so she helps me a lot she helps me dealing with you know the negative side of things um, mm-hmm. on a daily basis my sister um she's incredible like just being there and, and and she's you know she's in the business with me as well so she does a lot of the back end and and that's just incredible for me but then you look at people you know like a Pip Edwards who've just forged you know the way in like active mm. wear and I'm really inspired by those women yeah. um so it's good to have a lot of people that you inspire, you know, that inspire you. But then, obviously, mm. your core women that really support you, and you know, my my girlfriends and and people that really got behind me. Um, and you know, keep going. You know, it's okay. It's you know, I'm calling them in tears because someone's being mean, and it's just so. It's really important to have those women behind you. For definitely, sure. yeah. absolutely right. We just wrapped up our, our mentor. Brains Trust group last night, our final right. call, and just the support that everyone, yeah. you know, gives each other, especially, yeah. you know, during these times. It's exactly. just so important to have oh. that group of women that you can turn to and have yeah. those, you know, tough conversations as well exactly. as um, celebrate the wins. So. That's right. I mean, I was even talking to this with Stella, my eldest, um, because she's, you know, she's a teenager and mm. she's going through ups and downs and things like that. And she doesn't always want to talk to me, but mm-hmm. she has got all these women around her where they're like three of them are my best friends and you know one's an auntie to her so she's got older women in her life that are mentors to her when she can call them whenever she wants to talk about whatever problem she has and I think that's really important and I definitely didn't have that as a child I don't think Mm. or as a teenager growing up so that support of older women not just your peers was really important was important to her amazing well you're doing the good work (laughs) starting the conversation we're excited to see where the brand goes yeah amazing thanks guys thank you for that very interesting chat lindy there's definitely a lesson for all of us in this conversation about how to deal with criticism or negative feedback building a brand involves putting yourself and whatever you choose to create out there in the public domain in some form And when you do this, you'll always open yourself up to a little bit of criticism. We really loved Lindy's advice to approach this with a sense of curiosity and to try and understand the other person's point of view. Finally, find people to complement your strengths. As a founder, you're expected to do literally everything, but you know what? No one has the skills or expertise to excel in every single area. Lindy's certainly not the first founder to tell us that she really struggles with the commercial side of business. In fact, many founders in our community have shared they have the same struggle with numbers. If something isn't your jam, just find someone else to help you. It's that simple. All right, Lady Brains, that's it for this episode. Remember to join in the chat, visit us over in our Facebook group, the Lady Brains Clubhouse, and stay tuned for our next episode with the wonderful Hannah Spilver, co-founder of floral delivery brand, Lovely. Ladyland is a Podcast One Australia production. The producer is Brooke Carrigan, audio production by Matt Nikolic. For more great podcasts, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.